Turn to Genesis chapter 26 again, please. Genesis 26. We have done two weeks before on insights on Isaac. As I said at the start, there are many, many sermons on Abraham, many on Jacob. It doesn't seem to be as many on Isaac. He hasn't seemed to be taught to people as much. Genesis 26, and we'll just lift out a couple of verses. Verse 24 and verse 25. And the Lord appeared unto him, that is, unto Isaac, the same night, and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee. I feel that's a word for somebody this morning. Already, there's a word for you. The Lord says, I'm with you. I'll bless you. And multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he builded an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. Isaac means laughter. And in Genesis chapter 21, if you'll just flick over to it, we're not going to do a big recap on the last two uh, meetings. I wanted this to carry on completely different. So if you've missed the last couple, you're not really going to miss anything much this morning. You'll miss bits and pieces just. Genesis 21 verse 1 says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. You can trust God and take him at his word, brother, sister. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. And Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age and sat at the set time of which God had spoken to him. It's all in God's timing. Everything is in his time. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare unto him, Isaac. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all here, all that here will laugh with me. Notice she doesn't say all that here will laugh at me, even though she's about 90. Now you and I thinking of a woman at 90 and an old boy at 100 Having a child now, the old saying is there'll be a prom at the door yet, sister. But we would go, no way. And people would laugh at them. And people tend to laugh at those whom God has spoken to, given a promise to, given his word to, and they're fully, completely, and wholly trusting in the word of God. People nowadays especially laugh at them. But now, she says, they'll laugh with me. Because God caused his word to come to fruition. So maybe you're at a point where you're feeling, you know, people at work, at home, among friends or whatever, they laugh at me when I talk about God. 
and the things that he has given to me or done for me or doing for me or has promised me and what his word has spoken to me, maybe as I have uh, been talking to them about it, they laugh at me Well, you know, when it comes to pass, if God said it, then God has meant it and he brings it to pass. They will not laugh at you when it happens. And here the idea is she's laughing because she laughed when she heard that she would have a child. But now she has a different type of laughter. There's a laugh of ridiculousness and unbelief. Imagine a woman my age, you know, I, I am barren and dry. There's no way I'm like a, a, a dried, I was going to say a dried up old prune. You know, she's like a dried up uh, leaf or a tree. But she was, and, and Abraham, he wasn't much better. But God does that which is impossible. He makes it possible. And so when he says, this will happen, she laughs. But now, Isaac is born and she is laughing. She is laughing at the the blessing of the Lord, the promise come true, the word being fulfilled. And it's not laughing at it. She's laughing from the joy of it, the blessing of it the fulfillment of it. So don't you be discouraged and never, ever give up. It's been a theme over these weeks because God's people are too easy to give up. Keep walking on and trusting in God, in his word, for that which he hath spoken to you, he is going to surely perform it. Amen? That's not in the notes. That's just for nothing, that bit. Okay. Now, here she says, she calls him Isaac because God made me laugh. Isaac means laughter. Now, if you go to Genesis chapter 35, Genesis 35, and let your eye just run right down the chapter to verse 27. It says, And Jacob came unto Isaac his father to Mamre, unto the city of Arba, which is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac sojourned. And the days of Isaac were an hundred and fourscore years, and Isaac gave up the ghost and died, and was gathered unto his people, being old and full of days, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Now notice, chapter 21, we have his birth. Chapter 35, we have his death. Here we know, he knows when his birth has been. Obviously, here is the day when I was born, like us all. But then there's the day when we will pass into eternity. And we don't know when that day is. And even though he's 180 years of age, even though he's lived... In our estimation of time and living in the year 2017, even though he was 180 years of age, when 180 years were up, they were surely fulfilled, he died. You know, there's times when we think we, we come to the place and we're, we're ready, Lord, but when our time comes, many people who have sat with and prayed with and watched go into eternity take their last breath. If I only had more time. I went to see a man in uh, cancer unit quite a lot of years ago. 
in Belfast, Marie Curie. When I went in, he was talking and he, uh, about his illness, as we do, and, and he just turned to me at one point and he says, they've given me a matter of weeks, Pastor. He says, I wish I had more time. I wish I had more time. And I don't want to mention his name. I call him by his name and I says, why? He says, because I would serve the Lord better than I did. I haven't been as faithful as I could have. This is a believer going into the presence of God. Yes, he's saved, absolutely, because he's trusting in what Christ has done for him. Absolutely, but he knows he could have served Christ better. Can I be honest with you, brother and sister? I think like that too. I could serve him better. Here we have 180 years are up in Genesis 35. Isaac was 104 score years. Notice where he is. He is in Mamre. Jacob comes to him in Mamre onto the city of Arba, which is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac sojourned. Now we have looked at how Isaac at one point was going down into Egypt. And the Lord says, don't go into Egypt. Egypt, that worldliness. Don't go into Egypt. See, he had a famine. He had to get out. He's going, I'm moving out of this famine. God says, sojourn here, and I will be with you and bless you. Stay here, and I will be with thee, and you'll receive my blessing, he says. And so even now at his death, we find that he's now still or back in Mamre. You know, when we look at Mamre then, if we go to Genesis 13... Genesis chapter 13. I would advise you when you go home to read all of Genesis 13. It's a wonderful chapter. Verse 1 says, And Abram, Abraham before the Lord changed his name. Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, onto the place where his tent had been at the beginning. He's retracing his steps between Bethel and Hai, onto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Will you underline that market? Abram called on the name of of the Lord. And if you see here what he does, the altar and then calling on the Lord, they come hand in hand. Here it says that he goes up and he he goes to the place where God first called him out of Ur of Chaldees, and here was his first place that he had a real mighty encounter out of Ur. This is the first place he started to Get to know God. Brothers and sisters, do you know the first place where you and I first met him? At Calvary. And sometimes, all the time, every day, we, you, me, all of us, we should be remembering Calvary. Because it was at Calvary 
where he drew us and saved us, where he paid our debt of sin, where he took and bore away our sicknesses. Was it Calvary where he changed the universe, changed our eternal destiny? It was at Calvary where he shed his blood and died, the Lord Jesus Christ, where we first seen him as the Lamb of God. And there at that altar, the altar of the cross, where the blood was shed, through the enablement of the Holy Ghost, we called upon the name of the Lord. So, to save time, Abraham and Abram at the time and Lot, they are, their men or their herd men are fighting among themselves, they're quarreling over land. And Abram's the man with the blessing. Abram's the man with the promise. Abram's the man with the riches. Abram's the man with everything that God has given him. Lot's really just riding on his coattails, thinking, I've got the glory. But it's not, it's Abram, it's he's the man with the blessing. And really it's Abram's fault because the Lord told him to leave them all and he still brought him with him. See how when we do not obey what God tells us to the T, when we don't obey him correctly, how things happen, it's not what the Lord has done, it's our own fault. The Lord says, get out from thy country and thy kindred, leave all of them and come and follow me. And so he decides to bring uh, old Haran and Haran and uh, Lot. And they're riding on his coattails the whole way there, causing problems for him, holding him back. So they're starting to fight. And in this chapter, you'll read that Abram says, Okay, Lot, look around you and take your pick. You take your pick. And Lot picked Sodom. And at the time of Sodom before its destruction, it was full of grassy plains and was well watered. Look at verse 10. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And even as the garden of the Lord. Think, he's talking about Eden. It was like Eden, it says. Like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Zoar is south of the Dead Sea. And it's one of the lowest places on the earth, below sea level. And recently they found it's one of the biggest mass uh, cemetery burial places that they've ever found in the ancient world. And so this place turns out to be a place that looks great, was full of dead men's bones. It looks great, but it's full of sin. It looks wonderful, but I think I'll take this. And Abraham looks, and the rest seems a bit barren. It seems a bit dry. There's not a lot of area for him to have his cattle and all that he has. And he's so much to feed here, so much to water. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, you and I find that we look at these things and say, Lord, how, how am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to make this happen? You don't need to make ends meet. You don't need to make it happen. You can afford to be big because you have the blessing of the Lord upon you. 
Give the world what the world. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar and unto God the things that are God's. And watch God bless you. Because God said, you come out and I'll be with you. I'll be with you. But Lord, if I give him all that watered plain, I'm just getting the dust. He says, oh, no, it's only dust a man. But when God breathes on it, it becomes blessing. It becomes blessing. Remember the old song that says, little as much when God is in it. Little as much, brothers and sisters, when God is in it. Notice this. Abram, or Abraham, if you want, builds an altar in Mamre or in Hebron or Hebron. And Genesis 13 and verse 18 says, And Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Now, what has this got to do with Isaac? Well, this is the place where Isaac ends up going back to. He retraces his steps to where God first met his father in relationship. Then he goes back to where he once was in relationship. Where have you allowed your relationship with him, the Lord? Where has your relationship drifted? The Lord says, I'm still here. I haven't went away. I haven't moved on you. He says, here, come have that relationship with me. Make your way back to the way it used to be with him. Come back to your first love. Christ himself. Because see, when you do, that place of first love, let it be the place should the Lord tarry and we all go to the grave. Let that be the place of first love again. That when you pass through the veil, you're still in a place of first love. A place of love with Christ. Isaac died in Mamre or Hebron. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose. Everything, season, every time, purpose, under the heaven. We are in time. We're going around the sun. We're not on a flat earth, brothers and sisters. A lot of people now proponents of the flat earth theory where the earth is completely flat and we're just and maybe we're just floating about like this. No, I don't know what they're thinking. This is a teaching that's really coming out now all over the place. We're revolving around the sun. And as we do, it's time. It's a timepiece. It's a watch where God has a timepiece for our lives. I sat during the week and it was, it was dark. I was with Alison. And I sat in Donegal Day Harbour. And I looked at the lighthouse warning people off the rocks and the dangers there. And the light going around. The kids were away to, we had to drop them off at the relentless meetings there. We were there every night nearly, except for the Tuesday. And this night I'm watching 
and we had about three or four hours to kill a night, so we had plenty of time to watch it. And we're watching the light, and I never even said the Allison, but people are walking up and down, and I've seen, I seen the, that thick pier we can drive down it, the heavy stone walls, and I thought, I wonder how many people have walked up and down here, and this thing is still here. I wonder how many storms has crashed, and yet it's still standing. Yet the light's still spinning when I go home. Warning, warning, warning. That's why I'm sitting thinking. And I thought of the, the, the men and the women, the boys and the girls, even some had walked their dog up and down or whatever. And I was thinking about this the whole time. And they get old and then their next ones grow up and they get old and the next ones grow up and they get old and life passes on and ones pass away. And I'm just sitting thinking in my mind, Alison had one of those what is it often? A Kindle. <laughs> That's like PlayStation, is it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the difference in them all. I don't use them. So Alison had this Kindle. She's reading one of her books on it. And I'm sitting bored out of my head. Yeah. So I thought, I just started talking to the Lord in my head about these things. And I was just looking at this and thought, Lord, how many of us live and then die and the next one comes and the next one comes and the next one comes and those so many generations down seem to be forgotten and go in. And then I thought about it and, Lord, this pier's still here. How, how, how many souls, Father, have you seen walk before you and you've warned them. And you've shone the light for them. And you've warned them. And they have went on into eternity. And then the next one comes. You see, Ecclesiastes says, to everything there's a season, a time to every purpose under the heaven. You and I are in a time, a season under the heaven. And as time goes on, it's how we have served him, brothers and sisters. It's whether we're saved, first of all. We don't work to be saved. We work because we are saved. We work because we are saved. We labor for him, not because we have to, but because we love him. And to everything there is a season, a time to every purpose under the heaven. Verse 2 tells us a time to be born and a time to die. And in that is our season, with many seasons. Isaac finds that out between Genesis chapter 21, where he is born in laughter. Now his season or his seasons have finished. And in chapter 35, he's 180 years old and he dies. And when you look at Isaac's life, from going to be sacrificed as a young man, and Abraham going to sacrifice his son, his only son Isaac, whom he loves because God asked him to, and God tells him to stay his hand. And you look at him through what we have looked through the last couple of weeks, and I'm having to trust the Lord, and, and the wells of water being digged, that they, that they may, uh, that they may uh, reopen the old wells that were once clogged. And now life has come to a grinding halt. You know, 
in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Let me just read one verse to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 2. Listen to what it says. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to their heart. Now, I'm not trying to bring it on a downer this morning. What I'm trying to show you is this. There's only one life. It will soon be passed. It's only what's done for Christ will last. It is better. How is it better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting? <laughs> Who doesn't like a good feed up and a, you know, a good get together? That's not what it means. But the Lord would rather me sit and, and cry and weep and be broken hearted. That's not what it means. It is better fear and die when we go to a place where there is mourning because there we see the mortality. The time has ended. Our lot has been given. And we will stand before him to give an account. Because when we're feasting, look, when we're in the revival, when we've got the, the group going in, we're all praising God and there's a real sense of his spirit. Sure, we could run through walls, couldn't we? We could run through a troop and leap over a wall, as David says, break bows of steel in our hands, and the Lord makes us mighty. Oh, sure, we're here in the presence of the Lord, and we could do all things, and we could just love one another to death. But when you go into the real world, out there, and you close your door, and I close my door, and all your problems are there, and all my problems are there, it's what this word tells us. It's how we deal with it. It's what we do with it according to the Scripture, and it's what the Scripture does to us. We say it this way, but God's word says this. So, the house of feasting, the revival meeting, don't get me wrong, and I love it. House of mourning, we learn more. In Matthew 5 and verse 4, the Lord Jesus says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Isn't that right? But here's the thing, we all, and, and I'm one of them, we all mention that around a time of a loss of someone. And that's true. God does bless those who are mourning. He will comfort them when we turn to him. That is true. But the actual way that is being said there is not talking about the loss and the mourning of a loved one. He's talking about the mourning of our sin. He said, blessed are they who mourn and see the wrong of that, the error of their ways. Blessed are they who mourn and see of the lack of their service. Blessed are they who mourn, who, who have allowed their, their relationship to drift from me. Blessed are they who mourn over the sin of their life or their loved ones. Blessed are they who mourn, who, who, who are mourning over the way their nation has become or their family is or whatever, their society. And, and they're mourning. He says, them and you are like that all. I'll come and comfort you.
So, Abraham, then now Isaac, goes to Hebron or Mamre and they died. They buried, they're buried there as well. Just a wee, a wee thought here. The words here, uh, Mamre means strength or vigor. Vigor in life. Hebron means company, association. In other words, association throughout life with someone. And so when they start here, build altar, Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. We now read Isaac's back, builds an altar, calls upon the name of the Lord, and he digs a well. Here's the altar, the cross, where the Son of God dies. Calls upon the name of, of, of the Father, God in heaven. Here's the well, speaking of the Holy Spirit that he gives us. Notice, it means association. He starts with an association. He is strengthened through that association all of his days, through his ups and downs, his highs and lows, his seasons and his times. And now he's back and he's still in association. Going to go through the veil. And he's strengthened in Mamre. Strength. He's still associated Hebron or Hebron. He's still in association with God. The old hymn writer said, I love thee in life. I love thee in death. And praise thee as long as thou lendest me breath. And say, should the death dew lie cold on my brow, if ever I've loved thee, my Jesus, it is now. that Jew, that clammy Jew that lies on the man or woman passing about to go into eternity. The best thing you and I could know. It's not all your theology because we can argue about theology. It's that you love him because he first loved you. If ever I've loved thee, more than can into eternity. My Jesus, tis now. I want to just look at this called upon the name of the Lord, and then I'm going to wrap, and that's it wrapped up, and that's the study wrapped up, and next week we'll bring something different. If you look at Genesis 4, verse 26, thank you for your attention this morning. Genesis 4, verse 26. Okay, it says, And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Notice, then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Cain kills Abel. Adam, Eve have Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. Cain is cast out. They have no lineage then. 
the Lord gives them Seth, another son. Seth means appointed. This is the appointed one. Seth now has Enos, and at this time men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Again, go with me quickly to Genesis 13 and 4. Under the place of the altar which he had made there at the first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now I go to Genesis chapter 26. And that's where I run down to verse 24. And the Lord appeared unto him, that is Isaac, the same night, and said, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. Notice, called upon the name of the Lord. See the word call. It's just like you and I would. You call. Call on him. But it can also give an idea to accost someone. To accost someone. Someone comes along your path and you see them and you, you speak to them where they can't miss you. Or someone comes up to you and it's like grabbing someone by the lapel and you're saying, will you listen? And you're calling their name and you're looking into their face. It's the idea of it. Men began to call in the name of the Lord. Now, I see the word name here because we know later that until Moses comes, we don't know the redemptive name of the Lord, Yahweh or Jehovah. So what did they call when they called upon the name of the Lord? I'll submit this to you. We'll close, and I might continue this one about the name of the Lord into the name of Jesus next week. We'll see how the Lord was. I was actually talking to someone a few weeks ago about this, about the power of the name. So let me just... Round this up at this point, and then we'll move on maybe next week, God willing, on this. Notice, the word name here, men began to call upon the name of the Lord is the word shem, or shem. If shem sounds familiar, that's because after the flood, we have Noah and his three sons, shem, ham, japheth. Shem means the same. It's where we get name. It's a very, it's a very close word to what this word name is. And so what it means is, is down this line, it was the, that's where you get the word schematic, semantic, from Shem. That's another study all on its own, okay? Now listen, for example, in Exodus 23 and verse 21, the Lord speaks about, he will send his angel, a capital A, I haven't time to read it, before Israel, and he says, look, he says, he says, uh, obey him, obey his voice. I'm paraphrasing, he says, because my name is in him. My name is in him. You'll read that in Exodus chapter 23 and verse 21. My name is in him. So the word here for name or shem, okay? Word for name or shem, what it means is fame, reputation, Glory, character, authority. Fame, reputation, glory, character, authority. So when men, Abraham and then Isaac, called on the name of the Lord, what was Isaac doing when he was calling on the name of the Lord? He was calling on the fame of his God. He was calling... On his glory, 
he was leaning on his reputation. That is God's reputation. He was calling on the authority of God. Can you see Isaac, Father, Almighty God? You're the God of Abraham, my father. You're the God who brought him out. You're the God who says, I will make thee a father of many nations. You're the God who gave him the promise. You're the God who said it, and I know you're the God who will do it. You're the God who called me. And you're the God who's appeared unto me twice by now. I have now my own walk with you, not my father's walk. And you're the God who has kept me all these days, showed me all these ways. You're the God who has helped me in the face of Abimelech and all the Philistines. You're the God who enabled me to keep on digging wells when I wasn't able to dig. When I was so weak, when I was so frail, and there's nothing left in me, you said, keep digging, son, until the living water sprung out of it. You are the God who answers by fire. You are the God who created the universe. You're the God who threw these stars into being. You're the God who upholds all these things. You're the God who says, call upon me. You're the God who's told us to come before you. You're the God who says to trust in you. You see, it's your fame. It's your glory. So Lord, I build this altar. I come to this cross for you and I. Well, your son paid it all. Here is your fame. Here is your name. Here is your glory. Now, when we get to the Gospels, the word onoma is in the word for name, and it's, it's a very, very similar. And one of them is Jesus says, Father. Thy name have I manifested unto them. Think about it. Think about it. What did Jesus manifest unto them? The Father's glory. The Father's fame. Reputation. The Father's authority. Next week in the Lord's will, we'll look at it. When we pray in Jesus' name, when we pray in that name, it's just not a name. We're calling on the authority of the Father. We're calling on his reputation. We're speaking about his glory. Father, in Jesus' name. We meet in your name. We pray in your name. You know, we can go on and on. So Isaac died in strength and he died in association with God and went out into eternity. And I trust there's none listening who are not saved. And would die and go into eternity not being associated with Christ and trusting in his blood. Amen, everyone. God bless you all.